I'm going to mute this. And as you know, now that I don't pay attention to the clock, because our new editor has asked us not to so he can get more broadcast time, I feel liberated. Y'all have been trying to put me in bondage all these years, and I've resisted. I ain't paying attention to the clock. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Open up your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be talking about releasing the inner hero, keeping the theme of the day, being God-inside-minded. Last week, I, I shared some thoughts with you about an overcoming spirit, and I shared with you that contrary to what you will hear from many pulpits of those whose gospel is tainted with religion, God did not design you to suffer. God did not design you to be overcome. He has called you to be an overcomer. God's, God, how many of you know God has a plan for you? Yes, sir. And his plan is one of welfare, not barely get by. Now, that, that doesn't mean we won't have battles and there won't be challenges and there won't be obstacles. We're being trained to reign. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, we're being trained in this life how to reign for eternity because we're called to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But just because we have obstacles and we have challenges, that doesn't mean they're supposed to win. Right. I said to can I get more than one amen here? I told you last week, if you ain't won, it ain't over. That we have within us the spirit of the overcomer, and I shared with you that that is none other than the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the living God. And so today I want to continue along those lines of talking about being God-inside-minded. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are more than who you appear to be. You ain't just flesh and bones. You're a new creature and there's a power inside of you. There's a person inside of you yearning to get out that is capable of changing the world. Amen. Amen. You're powerful beyond your understanding. Oh, if believers could only see themselves the way God sees them. If we could only understand who he has called us to be and who he has made us to be, we would be liberated from all the things of this earth. Amen. You see, we are in this world, but we are not of this. What does that mean? So many of the promises of God, we have taken them and made them for the afterlife. When they have to do with this life. We're supposed to be in this world as Jesus was in his. You understand what I just said? Yes. Yes. He's the firstborn of many brethren. In the spirit, you have his exact DNA. You have his life. Was Jesus ever overcome? Can you show me one obstacle he encountered? He did not have the means to overcome it. What about that time he got stuck out in the boat? Do you all remember that time when the storm came, sank the boat, and Jesus had to swim to shore? You don't remember that? That's because it ain't in there. What about that time he needed some money and he just said, I ain't got none? What about, what about that time? You remember when Jesus had the crusade planned and couldn't go because he had the flu? 
even as he is, so are we in this world. But see, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you and I have been trained to believe the labels that people have put on us. We've allowed people to confine us by the way they define us. And our greatest struggle is to live according to... to I've, how do I say this, Father? I'm way off my notes. The objective of faith is to make God's truth our reality on a daily basis. That we would live the life He has called us to live because we are the people He ordained us to be. Not the overcome, but the overcomers. Not the victims, but the victors. That when we encounter darkness, we repel it, not overcome by it. We, we need to finally believe what God has said about us instead of what they said about us. They said you were stupid and you would never learn and you believed it and you've struggled your whole life. But that's not you. Because Christ has been made unto you wisdom. Whatever Christ could do, you can do because he's in you. Yes, sir. Ephesians chapter 4. I need to share this before I get into the message. Because when I was meditating upon this, the Lord began to speak to me about some things. And this really isn't the message, but it's kind of pre-message. But I want you to hear this. I'm reading it to you out of the Amplified. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. Now I want you to notice verse 12. His intention, everyone say his intention. His intention, his intention was not that you would admire and revere the gifts. That's right. Come on, man. You see, I've been, we should respect the gifts. But not revere the gifts. Reverence belongs to God. You ought to respect me as your pastor. Because if you don't respect me, you'll not be able to receive from me. You understand what I'm saying? But you ought never to revere a man. And we in the church have been trained to call the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher ministers. And the rest of us have something else. And the problem with that is if we call them ministers, then that means they the one that do the ministry. Come on, brother. And eventually ministry only takes place in the church because that's where the ministers are. I've had people tell me, you're the pastor, it's your job to build the church. Come on, Why? Because I'm the minister. Biblically, we all ministers. Yes. You follow me? We've all been given what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. And our ministry is to God in praise and to men in proclamation. I minister to God in praise. I minister to men in proclamation. But I'm a minister. I'm not a, I'm not a minister because I went to Bible school. 
I'm not a minister because there's an ordination piece of paper in my office. I'm a minister because I'm a believer. And if you're a believer, you're a minister of the gospel. And your equipping doesn't come by receiving a degree or a diploma at a Bible school. Verse 12, listen to this. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. Do you see that? So the purpose of the five-fold ministry gifts is not admiration and reverence. It's equipping and perfection. Now here's what I want to say to you, and then we're going to get into the message. The saints will never be perfected through a gospel of condemnation, shame, humiliation, and guilt. That just makes people afraid. And so then instead of engaging in their calling, they're always afraid. Well, pastor, what if I do it and it's not the will of God? They're more afraid of making a mistake than taking a step. Why? Because they preached condemnation and guilt and inferiority. So you'll never be equipped through the preaching of condemnation and guilt and shame. Nor will you be equipped through empty entertainment and pacification. You understand what I'm saying? This is what the Lord was doing. By going to meetings that are high energy but low Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the last days people are going to gather unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Just tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me I got to change. Don't tell me I got to grow. Don't tell me I'm capable of more than what I'm doing right now because I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing right now. My job, no, I'm, gonna, this, I'm just trying to work my way toward the sermon. I understand I'm not the most entertaining of people, though I do got some pretty impressive dance moves. I understand I'll never be the most entertaining of preachers, and this will never be the most entertaining of churches. But you will be exhorted and edified and encouraged. I understand, listen, I, I will never condemn you. I could care less where you come from and what the bad things are that you've done. I don't want to know what you've done, and I ain't going to tell you what I've done. You keep it to yourself, I'll keep it to myself, and we just pretend we got it all together. I will never condemn you, but I will challenge you. Because my job as a pastor is the perfection and the equipping. See, because when you understand you don't got to be afraid of trying and that you are equipped, you're just as equipped as anybody that graduated from any Bible school because you got someone in you who knows everything. You got someone in you that can do anything. And you're a believer, so signs are supposed to follow you when you lay your hands upon the sick. They're going to recover. When you open up your mouth, his word is going to come out. Then suddenly, ministry's not in church anymore. Ministry's in the highways, in the byways, in the hedgerows, in the fields. Ministry takes place wherever you are. Because now suddenly you're telling men and women and boys and girls everywhere, God ain't mad at you. God loves you. 
God loves you so much, he paid a monthly horrific price just in the hopes that he could have a relationship with you. And so you're not afraid to share the gospel. Right? It don't matter what they're dressed like. It doesn't matter how many earrings they have, how many tattoos, where they come from. It doesn't matter. In fact, those are the ones we want to reach. We want to reach the people that have, humil that have mutilated their own bodies in an attempt to appease a God they don't know. We want to reach them and tell them God loves you. You don't got to put stripes upon your body because the stripes were laid upon his. So this morning... This message is meant to equip you. Go to the book. Now we'll get started. Go to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We're going to read in verse 27. This is the reason why you've heard me say it so many times. Listen, if you're going to be equipped, there's three things you've got to know. You need to be willing to change your mind about who God is. Because many of us, we've had, we've had a very distorted image of God. When I was growing up as a Catholic, I was trained that God was mad at me. And the only person that kept God from smiting me instantly was Mary. Mary was my intercessor. Then I got to reading the B-I-B-L-E and I discovered I don't got to go to Mary because I got Jesus. I can go right to the throne of God and God ain't mad at me at all. God ain't mad at me. He ain't condemning me. He ain't ashamed of me. He knows everything I've ever done and yet he still receives me because he sees me through the blood of his own son. This is the reason why the gospel is too good to be true. He don't hold against me what I've done. God don't hold grudges. Love keeps no record of wrongs done. Mm. So we must, we must know who God is. We must know how great his love for us is. And then number three, you've heard me say this before. You must know who you are in him. Because who you are is a wonder to behold. Not who you've been, but who you are. Yes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Just letting you know, if you listen intently to what I'm saying today, I'm going to release the inner superhero. <laughs> you're going to make Batman look like a wimp. Yes. Superman, you're going to make him look like Pee Wee Herman. Because you've got a power inside of you ain't no comic book character ever had. Superman might be able to move planets, but our God creates them. Batman moves in the night. To God, the night and the day are exactly the same. He sees in the night. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. The message is to be God inside-minded. To whom God willed to make known. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery? Everyone say mystery. mystery. Christianity is a mystery because it ain't like any other religion. Christianity has never made sense. Understand this. The reason why the closer you get with God, the less sense you make is because Christianity has never made sense. It didn't make sense to the ancient Romans. It didn't make sense in the Middle Ages. It didn't make sense yesterday, and it doesn't make sense today. On, 
You don't make sense. You're a mystery. You're a mystery. This is what, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which, what is the mystery? Christ in you. Everyone say Christ in me. That's a mystery. And that's what I want to, I want to I share some thoughts today about God inside of you. Christ in you. Mm. It's also the hope of the expectation of glory. Let me give you this definition of mystery. A mystery is a hidden thing. Secret. Listen to this. Confided only to the initiated. Do you see that? Listen. To the Gentile, Christianity is a mystery because it ain't like any other religion. In every other religion, you're perfected by works. Everyone. I don't care how you define it, how you slice it, how you dice it. The heart of every religion is you are perfected by works. In Christianity, you're perfected by the death of a Savior. In every other religion, you become better. You evolve into something, a higher form of life. Until you eventually reach your heaven, utopia, nirvana, whatever you want to call it. In Christianity, you're changed in the twinkling of an eye. One moment you're a sinner, the next you're a saint. It makes no sense. Where's the penance? Where's the deeds to make up for all the bad that you've done? The cross, that's the deed. It ain't what I do, it's what he did. It makes no sense to the uninitiated. I believe it's in the book of Colossians, I think chapter 1, I'm not sure. It says that spiritual things can't be understood by carnal minds. They can't comprehend, they can't conceive because they have no point of reference. So spiritual things cannot be understood by some people. So it's, it's a hidden thing, confided only to the initiated and not to ordinary mortals. Not obvious to the understanding. Everyone say, I'm a mystery. Some people don't understand you because they're not initiated. They're mere mortals and you are a supernatural being and they can't comprehend you. This is difficult to explain. Christ in you. Christ in you. Listen. How many of you ever heard of a guy called Peter? Walked with Jesus. He was part of the inner circle. He was there with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. Saw all the things he did. The dude knew Jesus. And yet when Paul wrote his letters, which really focused on... You in Christ and Christ in you. You in Christ and Christ in you. You in Christ and Christ in you. Peter said of Paul's writings, I don't get it. He said it's hard to understand. Because even to someone who walked with Jesus, this, this gospel of Christ in me and me in Christ and of me being part of the divine and the divine being part of me, that makes no sense. So I'm going to do my, listen, if Paul couldn't get Peter to get it, I'm going to do my best to help you understand it, but you ain't going to get it all. In, so if you say, Pastor, could you please fully explain to me, what does it mean that God's in me? My answer is nope. 
You just got to believe it. You got, you got to believe it. That God is in you. And so you are more than who you appear to be. People like Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth one time said, I'm a million times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. What was it that Smith knew that other people didn't? What did Smith mean? He's a million times bigger on the inside than he is on the outside. You see, every man or woman of God that has been a mover and a shaker in the kingdom understood God inside. If you don't understand God inside, you'll have no choice but to live as a mere mortal. And you'll always be frustrated because you're trying to move in the supernatural, but you're living in the natural. When you understand, everyone say, Lord, help me understand. God is in on the inside of you. Now supernatural is natural. John G. Lake said where he, he was fond of saying actually, he said it many times. When he would look in the mirror, his confession was, wherever those clothes go, God goes. You see, to the uninitiated, they thought what John G. Lake was saying was that he was God. And that's not what I'm saying. We ain't never going to be Adonai, Jehovah, the Lord Almighty. But we are a vessel who was of dishonor and now is of honor. And he has made us a fit vessel. Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That the greater one abides within you. Hmm? I'm a vessel of honor because of what I carry. I'm trying to get this. Listen. If I had two glasses, imagine that in my hand I have two glasses, exactly the same, made of the same substance, the same shape, and the same material. And in one, we fill it with stinky old nasty sewage water, with clumps of stuff that are unspeakable. And in the other one, we pour liquid molten gold. Which one's more valuable? Y'all got to think about that? The gold, yeah? What makes it valuable? The, the, the cup? No, sir. no, what's in it? Because the value of it is determined by what's in it. You used to be filled with sewage, but now you're filled with glory and holiness. The greater one abides within you. I am no longer a vessel of dishonor. The Holy One abides within me. You want to know what keeps me from sinning? I got glory inside of me. I've got something that's incorruptible, untaintable on the inside of me. Can I explain it? No, I don't know how he did it. Truth be told, I can't even tell you why he did it. He had a tabernacle in the desert, but it wasn't good enough. So he moved into a temple made of gold, and it wasn't good enough. So he moved into a temple made of flesh, and now he said, I'm home. That's better. Y'all are going to have to say lie about that one. He had a tabernacle. It wasn't good enough, so he moved into a temple. But at his earliest opportunity, when the price of sin had been paid and sin had been flushed from my system, the Holy One came to abide in me because where he always wanted to be was in this. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Oh, my, my, my. I need some help. I, I, I'm struggling with this. I need some help. And I don't, where'd she go? Where'd Zoe go? Huh? Chosen. Okay, Destiny. Come up here, sister. With your pretty self. Stand right here. You're going to have to stand here for a while. You okay with that? All right. Do you see her? Yes, sir. What do you see? What you see? Obviously a beautiful young lady. But you <laughs> What you don't see is the truth. Let me let me You see our whole lives, this is the reason why the Bible says we're not to know each other after the flesh anymore. Because our whole lives, people look at us and prejudge us based upon what they see. And we all prejudge each other until we're trained to do otherwise. We see short people, tall people, fat people, skinny people, bald people. That person's got too long a hair and that person ain't got no hair. Right? We look at her and what we see is a petite little frame. So if we didn't know better, we would judge her as weak. She's dainty. She can't possibly be powerful. What we don't know, see, you could judge her that way, but you would be wrong. Because as a believer in Christ, and here's what I want you to see, in this little frame, the fullness of God lives. Not, 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 listen, hear me when I say this, not just some of God. This is what is incomprehensible. And this is what Paul preached and what Peter said, I don't get it. The fullness of God, the, the, there's a community of divinity in there. What do you mean by that? Jesus said, the Father and I will make our abode with you. Other translations say in you. So in that one verse, we know the Father and the Son is in there. Explain that one. And in other places, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is in you. So we have a community of the Trinity, of divinity in her. So you look at her and you judge her by her frame. And you're wrong to do so. Because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that she could even think to imagine to ask. According to the power that works in her. Hmm? You might judge her by her gender and think, well, she's just a woman. What kind of authority can she have? And you'd be wrong to do so because her voice causes mountains to move, disease to yield, angels to stand at attention, and devils to have a panic attack. When she speaks, things respond both in the seen and in the unseen worldwide, because the creator of everything that exists abides within her. And there's a thousand other things you could look at and prejudge based upon what you see. 
But what you don't see is the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Lord cleansed her from her sin, and that wasn't good enough. As soon as she was cleansed, the Lord said, I'm moving into there. That's the temple I always wanted to be in. Because you remember when I shared this with you last week, when God created man, he formed man of the dust, and the Bible says he breathed into man. And when he breathed into man, then man became a living soul. And I shared with you that when God breathed into him, he breathed his own spirit. So Adam was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the glory that shone around Adam wasn't Adam's. It was God's. And Adam walked in it. Because God walked in it. Oh, I don't even know what he sees. See, this is so far astray from what people are being taught all over the world today. They're being taught about try harder, pray more, give more, do more, die more. And what we need to be trained is God inside of me. The hope of glory is not that I would become more religious. The hope of glory is that Christ on the inside of me would be allowed to flourish on the outside of me. Are y'all here? We used to sing a song, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. So when she walks everywhere she goes, God goes. Power beyond imagination abides within her. The truth is, she ain't petite, she's powerful. The truth is, she has authority in this world and in the world to come. What you see ain't even a fraction of the story. I don't understand how the creator of the universe, the one who is so large that he measures the span of the universe in the palm of his hands, can abide in a little frame like that. I don't understand how someone who is so massive he makes the earth his footstool can come to live in a frame that small. But he did. And that's what makes her something unique, something special, something that the angels go, what is destiny that you are mindful of her? You've crowned her with glory and majesty. You've made her to rule over all the work. Oh, no, no, you're saying that's Psalm 8. No, 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 that's the story of man. First the created man, now the recreated man. Everyone say God on the inside. Changes everything on the outside. So if you look at her and you judge according to what you see, you're missing the mystery. The mystery of the Gentiles, the the glorious mystery is this, Christ in her. That's the hope of glory. You know what heaven is, you know what, she's she's so pretty, she's distracting. (laughs) Do you know what the hope of heaven is? That she'd begin to believe in who she really is. See, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. So when destiny begins to realize, I'm not who they've called me. I'm who he's named me. She'll find life without without limits. She'll know life without boundaries. Everywhere she goes, she'll have success. Everywhere she goes, she'll change the environment. If God sends her into the darkest land, she's the light. If God sends her into a place without the voice, she is the voice. When she opens up her mouth, you know who's filling her voice? He is. He said, don't worry in that hour about what you're going to say. He yearns to speak through you. So when you open up your mouth, God talks. 
when she lays her hands upon the sick, you know why they recover? Because it's his hands. God on the inside. Don't ever let anyone define you by what they see. Only let him define you by what he's made you to be. Would you please give destiny a hand? Hallelujah. Listen to this. Let me read you a few verses. I don't know how much time I have. Is this okay this morning? You see, Gentiles don't get this. Untrained religious churchgoers don't get this. This is the hope of the gospel. Getting saved is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning. You get saved. Your sins are forgiven. Now he breathes into you the newness of life. And what he said to do is put on this newness of life. Live in the newness of life. Live like someone who's infused with the very power of heaven. Never again talk about your limitations and your lack. For you to lose, God would have to lose because God is inside of you. But you've got to know this truth. You have got to be confident. See, now to the uninitiated, when they hear you talk like this, they would say to you, like they said to Smith and to John and even to Jesus, who do you think you are? Everywhere you go, God goes? Why, you're just a sinner, maybe saved by grace. No, baby, 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 ooh-la-la, baby. I got saved, that's why I ain't a sinner. So don't ever tell me I'm a sinner saved by grace. I got saved, so now I'm a saint. I left sinning behind. In fact, I'm dead to sin. The things that I used to be addicted to, now when I see them, I don't even, I have no interest in them. Why? Because I'm walking in the newness of life. If God wouldn't say it, I won't say it. If God wouldn't do it, I won't do it. Why? Because he's in me. The more I become awake to this, then the more like him I become. Because eventually his life will start shining out through me. And there will come a day I'll be able to say like my master, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Well, you arrogant. No, 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 baby, it ain't arrogance. Arrogance is based on ego. Confidence is based on truth. Arrogance is based on ego, the false belief that I'm something special. Arrogance, do you, is this okay this morning? I don't want to keep you all too long, but I just want to hammer some things home. Do you remember when Jesus got on the ass? Did I say that in church? It's in the Bible. Jesus got on top of an ass, rode him into town, and people started crying Hosanna and laying palm branches down. Can you imagine if the ass thought that was for him. I'm already down the road. I'm like, what an ass. That you think all that praise is for you? That's arrogance. Confidence is no, no, no. I'm just the ass Jesus rode in on. The, Listen, the applause ain't for me. The applause is for who's in me. The glory ain't mine. It's the one that abides within me. So when you start walking in the fullness of what God's called you to do and you have success that's unparalleled, don't begin to believe it's you. 
when you go into the boardroom and you make a deal that blows them away, it ain't you. It's him. When you're, when you're doing ministry and you lay your hands on the sick and they recover, it ain't you. It's him. But it's him in you. Some of you are still troubled over the fact that I said A-double-S. And you just missed the truth. It's in the Bible. Don't be so spiritual that you ain't even biblical. John chapter 14, verse 23. I'm telling you what, I'm feeling like Batman this morning. Want to put on a cape and jump over something. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, do you love him? Do you love him? He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode in him. I love what one translation says. One translation says, we will make our home in him. The one who loves him and keeps his word, the father and the son make their home in him. Everyone say, God inside. Now listen to this in the book of Ephesians, New Living Translation. Then Christ will make his home where? In your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Christ will make his home where? See, everyone's got the idea, the imagery. God is in heaven. And that's where they see him. When they pray, they pray to someone afar off. Someone detached and someone that's unconnected. And the truth of the matter, he, he's God. He is in heaven. But he's in here too. Which is why he's as close. I'll never leave you, he said. I'll never forsake you. He's in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is where? In you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. And then lastly, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Don't you love the Bible? You have overcome them. Why? He, greater is he that is in you. The word because means by cause of. I have overcome by cause of my great intellect. I have overcome by cause of my worthiness and holiness and self-righteousness. No, I ain't depending upon myself. I have overcome by cause that the mystery of the gospel is working in me. And I have a community of divinity on the inside of me. It makes me more than who I am. Because when I don't understand, Christ has been made unto me wisdom. When I don't know, when I don't have the power, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Where's the greater one? Where's the greater one? You, where's the greater one? So don't you ever feel inferior again. Don't you ever face life's challenges and think that you can't overcome. Why? Because of your gender, your race, your education, your financial level. See, we're looking at externals to determine the ability of God. 
Well, I can't do it because I don't have enough money. I can't do it because I'm not young enough. I can't do it because of this, because of that, because of... How about by cause of the greater one being in you? Mm. This is the marvel of redemption. The mystery of Christianity. This is the secret. That God, not just a part, not a fragment, but all of God is inside the believer. Isn't that amazing? Yes, sir. That's what sets it apart. You're not just a follower of doctrine. You're not just an adherent to a dress code, a behavior code. No, no, no. You're a follower not of a doctrine, but of a person. You adhere to him, not to do's and don'ts. Does this make sense? It ain't about me being holy enough. It's about me being humble enough to say, Father, I don't understand it. Sometimes I feel like a sinner. Sometimes I even act like a sinner. But the mystery of the gospel, the amazingness of grace is this. You live in me. You and I both know you ought not to. I don't deserve it. But I ain't leaning into my own understanding. But in all of my ways, I'm acknowledging him and what he said and what he's done. And he abides in here. Yes. Amen? Yes. Let's, let's say a few more things. It sounds like the microphone is saying enough. <laughs> Everyone say this with me. God is with me. God is for me. God is in me. If God is with you, God is for you, and God is in you, how can you lose? How can you not receive your healing? How can you not receive your provision? That's, this is what makes you more than skin and bones. It's what elevates you above the apes and the monkeys and the beasts of the field. They have biological life. You have zoe. 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 And that gives you a destiny. You have the God kind of life in you. That changes everything. I'm not seeking to kill someone else so I can eat off of their carcass. I receive from the hand of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. I live more like the angels than I do the monkeys. I have more in common with God than I do dogs. You understand? Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God. It is God, it is God who is at work in you. Woo! Shundily undie. God is at work inside of me. He's doing things. What was that song we sang? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop. You never stop. You never stop working. Where's he working? He's working on the inside. Doing what? Perfecting and performing his good will. What is his will? That I be above only and not beneath. So what is God doing? He's working on the inside to give me a new outlook. So I see that I'm not made to be a welfare recipient all my life. He's working on the inside to give me a perspective. I'm a rich man. I'm rich before I even have money. 
One day I'm going to preach it to you. I know I need to close. I can feel your, your, I can feel your attention span. I'm going to preach a sermon to you. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Because it's what you see when you look in the mirror that matters more than anything. It's not important what I see. It's not important what anyone else sees. What do you see? See, James said that when we look into the perfect law of liberty, a.k.a. the Bible, we see what manner of man we are. We're overcomers. We're conquerors. We're victorious. We're blessed. But then we go away and we immediately forget what manner of man we are. Why? Because we begin to believe we're a hard case. Living by hard knocks. On hardwood lane. In hardly a house. It is God who is at work in you. The untrained eye will never see the dignity. They will only see what eyes can focus on. Your job and my job is to live beyond the labels. In closing with this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Was this okay this morning? See, when you begin to believe who God made you to be, no man will ever be able to confine you again. You'll be able to live where you want to live, not where they tell you you got to live. Oh, pastor, you got to understand, on the inside, I see me living in a big house, but no one in my family's ever lived in a big house. So you get to be the first. Oh, pastor, everyone in my family's always been in debt, but on the inside of me, I see me not living with debt. Then you will be debt free. Because you got to see it in the spirit before you can get it in the natural. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. According to the power in the heavens. Where? In us. According to the power that works within us. God is able to do exceeding and abundantly, above and beyond anything that we could even hope or think to imagine to ask. But it's according to the power that's at work within us. Cleave, as you prepare yourself to come and close, say this with me. I am. Who God called me to be. Not who man has named me. God on the inside. Say that. God on the inside. Changes everything. Amen. Where'd Cleve? There he is. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Won't you, won't you stand? Now, when we're done, um, there are some things that the ladies have planned for the kids afterwards. So don't, don't scatter. If you don't have to go, just don't run off. If you have to go to the ladies' room or men's room. But there's some things that Ms. Likes and Sister Tammy have, some plan, have planned for the kids. Amen? On behalf of our pastor and our church. Praise God. Was that wonderful? Uh, uh, it was just so rich, was it not? Yes. And uh, I just say, uh, as you stand, there are certain things that I just, we just want to remember. God is with me. 
God is for me. What's the third one? God is in me. Amen. Glory to his name. For those that are watching us over the internet, over Facebook, we that have accepted Christ as our Savior, we have a community of divinity living on the inside of us. I had to write these things down because some of these things I've never heard before. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. I thank you, Lord, for that. And the, the, the picture of the two vessels. One vessel full of sewage. You know, we were all that vessel at one time. And I speak to you that have not accepted Christ. You're still that vessel. But you don't have to be. Glory to God. Glory to God. Listen, we were all that vessel filled with sewage. We're not talking down on you. We're not talking about you. But now we're vessels of honor. We're filled with gold. We're filled with his presence. Praise God. We're filled with the, the treasures of who he is. The Bible talks about those treasures being put in earthen vessels. That's who we are. But it's available to you. It's so simple that if you think about it too long, you'll miss it. It's yours, but it's yours for the asking. So I want to give an opportunity for those who are watching us on Facebook, who are watching us on camera, and those that may be in this house that say, man, I'm that vessel of sewage, but I want to be that vessel of honor. Right now, as the saints go into prayer, right now, this is serious, come on. Come on, forget about getting out of church for just a second. There are souls at stake here. The richness of this word, we receive it and we enjoy it. But there are others, they can't even enjoy it. They can't even receive it. It's for them also. The love of God is not just for us. It's for them. Our coming is in vain if we neglect those who have not accepted our wonderful Savior. So those of you who have accepted Christ, you pray in the Holy Ghost, please, right now. And right now, those who have not accepted Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. You may be 85 or you may be 5. Just declare right now, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe the blood that you shed was for me. Right now, 
I receive your salvation. I receive your healing. I receive your prosperity and your provisions. All that you have for me, I receive right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. I accept you as my Savior, and I want to live the rest of my days for you. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Glory to God. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for that message. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Did you find Pastor Miller all over some of the scriptures y'all were in some this week? I did. I whispered to my wife, man, he's all in my meditation this week. All in it. Ephesians 3. All in it. Working in me, both the will and to do. All in it. I thank God for the man of God of this house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we're going to ask uh, Sister Likes and Miss Tammy to come. Sit down for just a second. By the way, you know, Pastor, uh, Pastor Deborah uh, and Pastor uh, Jimmy, they don't tell nobody everything. I hope they don't mind me saying this. If you say, if you don't want me to say it, say don't. They didn't say it. <laughs> Today is the anniversary. You know, <laughs> they have been married for 29 years. Oh, they've been married longer than I am old. <laughs> so we thank the Lord for them. If you get a chance afterwards, just you know, come up and wish them a happy anniversary. Oh, look up there. Look at that. You know, I ain't know about that. Come on up, Sister, De uh, Sister Deborah. Who's, who's responsible for this? Come on. Somebody want to talk about it? Look at that. Look at that. Y'all, somebody need to be snapping some pictures. <laughs> but happy, Anna, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to, to the, uh, look at them, to the both of them. <laughs> you know, I, you know they're, not, they're not fanfare people. They don't, probably don't even like it that I'm doing this. Pastor Jimmy may get on my case after, but I don't care. <laughs> but listen, listen, we celebrate that. You know, I can't, I can't, that's not my testimony. I have to say something else. I got some more time to go to catch up with 20, 29 years. But I thank the Lord for the example in the body of Christ that they have set. Anybody else glad about it? Come on, let's give them a hand as they come. This was not expected. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Uh, Sister uh, Tammy and the rest. All right. You, you guys want to have a seat right here? And uh, I didn't mean to do